It's a beautiful day in this neighborhood. And now, this is the Neighborhood Podcast with New Age Insider's Chief of Staff, D.C. Matthews. This is either going to be a huge success or a monumental failure. And really, I don't think there's any option in between. Hello out there, neighborhood. My name is DC Matthews, Chief of Staff of the New Age Insiders. And while I am not in the room, I am here with Doc Manson. Doc, how are you today? I am doing fantastic, DC. I think that being a pessimist, there's only one way that this can go. Uh, monumental failure. And let's see, hopefully I'm right. So what happened, for those of you out there in podcast land, is... We had a week where we couldn't get together, and as that week went on and it became a second week, we got Doc Manson hooked up with a microphone, so now I have a PC to record the beautiful sounds, I have a Chromebook to list our topics, I have an iPad so that while I'm not in his presence, I can still see Doc Manson, oh, no, yes, you are Doc Manson, for a second I thought I talked about myself, and his Back to the Future poster, that's a lovely poster. Thank you very much. And you could see back there, uh, that's a box spring, and a sweatshirt behind me. Oh, you, yeah. Yes. So, uh, the new job's two weeks old. Yes, it is. Going well, no uh, endless, it's an endless source of stress, as all new jobs are. But, uh, you know, it'll uh, it'll smooth out over time. And we'll have more time to talk to the neighborhood about wrestling. Well, you know this means that we can talk now. It doesn't have to be just on the weekends. We literally no. could do this. I won't say... Anytime. Da- I won't say daily, because I don't know that either Mrs. Manson or Mrs. Matthews would approve that. But, Probably not. So, we are here. The unofficial, unendorsed Han Solo of the neighborhood. I still say that makes you my Chewbacca. I think the Chewbacca's the creature downstairs that thankfully right now is not barking. That's your Chewbacca. <laughs> All that's, right, sure enough. that's your Wookiee bodyguard, Oscar Baca. So right off the bat, what's you we haven't talked in a couple of weeks. The biggest thing in your mind wrestling wise is what, Doc Manson? Um, to be honest, there is no biggest thing. I kinda feel like there's there's nothing right now that's really got me going. Part of that might be a quirk of my DVR um, that I haven't really been able to actually see any of the segments with Sting because for some reason that first week when Sting, I guess he popped out of where the statue was supposed to be. I don't know. Yes. I didn't actually see it because my DVR stopped at 11.03, so I didn't get to see that. And then for whatever reason, the next week my DVR started recording at like 8.30, so I missed the opening segment and didn't see Sting again. Um, I did see him standing on the ramp at the end of the show with John Cena, um, looking very serious. Um, I, I, so maybe, I guess, ostensibly, I'm excited for Sting. I like Sting. I enjoyed what he did in TNA. Yes, I said it. I enjoyed what he did in TNA. Never mind that WCW crap. You think... Um, so yeah, I don't know. I, I guess I should be excited. But the way that Sting's been treated in the company so far, I just don't know why I should care. Uh, that's really, I guess, my problem. Well, before we talk about Sting, and I do want to talk about Sting, I've always had a problem with the fact that Monday Night Raw doesn't end at 11 o'clock. 
You're a three-hour show. You understand that a lot of people are going to have to be recording this, especially your young fans. Why in the world would you end late? Which then means, just like you said, a whole lot of people who don't set that extra time on their DVR are going to miss the main event segments. Well, let's just be honest, right? The young fans are going to pirate this thing on a torrent site or some other sort of uh, streaming site. So the young fans don't even matter anyways. They don't know what a television is. They've probably never turned a television on in their lives. They never will. It's all uh, it's all online. So Forgive me if I've asked you this before, but do you think we will see a time in the next five to ten years where Monday Night Raw is on the WWE Network? Um, probably not. I have to imagine, I mean, maybe. The advertising revenue that they get from the television um, studios is probably too high for them to ever really consider that now. So that would have to tank before they actually made that move. Or the WWE Network would have to be so incredibly lucrative, and they'd have to be so hard up for content. Because otherwise, you know, you got to diversify the product somewhere. You can't just have it all on the network. you got to have something on a more, quote-unquote, accessible media. I know a lot of people aren't watching television anymore, but you got to be able to grow the audience somehow. And just having a closed garden of the WWE Network, I, I don't think that's sustainable long-term. So you got to be bringing in people somewhere. I understand what you're saying, but my thinking is we're seeing this with HBO and with all, everybody's going to their own subscription service. CBS oh. is doing their own subscription service. I think ESPN is talking about doing something on their end which may If they can if they can work out a deal with the television studios, uh, the networks rather for whom they are partnered for Raw where they can get the redistribution rights onto the network um, sooner than they do currently which is a month, right? A month so. is 6 weeks. Right, that's like, that's worthless. If they can work that out, I think that will get worked out the next time their contracts come up. That could be several years down the line. So I do think we'll get it on the network sooner uh, next time those contracts get renegotiated. But I don't know necessarily that it's going to be an exclusive to the network right away for some time. See, I think eventually, WWE, you know, I, and again, I see what you're saying with the distribution, and they have to be able to attract new fans somehow. They can't just go solely to the network. But I think there's going to be something where they realize if they put Raw and SmackDown on, they can charge more than $9.99 a month and people would still pay for it. I saw plenty of people on Twitter saying if it wasn't for the fact that they had to watch Raw or SmackDown. I watched SmackDown this week, but I think I was the only one. Then they wouldn't pay for cable at all. Yeah. Uh, I mean, honestly, I'm one of those people too, I think. I don't know that I would have cable if I... uh was able to watch Raw and SmackDown. Although, I mean, Mrs. Manson uh, wants to keep cable, but she's been slowly coming around. The last couple of months, every once in a while, she says, you know, I've been thinking about it. Maybe we should cancel it. So, I mean, sooner or later, maybe. It was far easier. I tried canceling cable a few years ago, and we'll get to the wrestling talk, people. Calm down. This is about the, this is about the network, technically. I tried to cancel cable two or three years ago, and it was such a hassle I just gave up. But I called probably eight months ago. It was sometime in the winter, early spring. And they could not have been happier to cancel mm. my cable, which, of course, got my conspiracy theorist brain going. So they just shipped us a new modem without us asking for it. So now I think the Internet's going to slow down. So I apologize if this podcast ends abruptly. Blame. No doubt that it will. Blame Comcast. All right, so let's talk about Sting. So, st- Well, but one thing, though, just to go back on that subject. Sorry, I, but 
you know, one way they could maybe appeal to the younger audiences and still manage something. Like, what if they put SmackDown on YouTube? You know, something free that, that would be has great. a huge population. Exactly. You know, put one of the shows on there that could drive people to the network potentially. You still get the audience that's not watching television. Um, something like that maybe is in our future. I don't know. I think that would be fantastic. You know, I, I'm surprised more shows aren't yeah. YouTube exclusive or something like that where I think you'll see a whole lot more people watching SmackDown if it was on the YouTube. 100%. All right. So, Sting did come out. That was a pretty good segment, the one that you missed, unfortunately, with the 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 statue presentation, and, you know, you see it come up, and all of a sudden, the only problem with it, and I don't know if you saw the recap, is Sting had to be in that box for about 18 minutes, so by the time the curtain is lifted off of him, he's already sweat through most of the paint on the top of his head. You know, it looked like he had been in a 20-minute match just because it was so hot, but... So Sting is here. He is wrestling Seth Rollins for the World Heavyweight Championship at Night of Champions, which is in two weeks? A week? Something like that. Two weeks. It's soon. Two weeks. I think it's two, I think it's two weeks. Yeah. We found out on Raw that Seth Rollins will be taking on John Cena for the United States title because all titles must be defended on Night of Champions. That's a rule they kind of threw at us randomly. You know what? I think that's actually a really cool rule. Oh, it's great. And the setup that they're going into this Night of Champions with, with him being... You know, both champions. Uh, I actually think it's a cool setup. I liked it. I think it's, it works. I think it's great on a number of levels, most of which has to do with how I think these matches are going to go, though this probably will not be our prediction and production show. That'll happen in a couple of weeks. But we did see, you know, Sting has returned, and he is immediately put into the title picture. Now, before we get into his reasoning and the rationale behind it, which is a separate topic, how do you feel for this 56-year-old man who's wrestled one match for WWE in the last decade being put into the world title match so soon? I'm fine with it, with the exception of the fact that he really should have won against Triple H at WrestleMania. I mean, if he had won that match, I think that would give him better justification for being in this storyline right now. As it is, as you said, he's had one match for the company. It doesn't make a lot of sense. Obviously, which he's he, a legend. Which he lost. He's, a, he's 0-1. Right. He's a legend. He's an icon. He's done a lot of great things throughout the industry. Um, so you got to give that to him, I guess, and that's really why he's in the position that he's in. But I really think the case for him would have been a lot stronger if he had won that match against Triple H. Well, so here's a question, because we've talked about your wrestling past before, and I don't believe a lot of WCW appeared in it, and you just said you've watched him in TNA. Who is Sting to you? What what about yeah. what about Sting do you know? Because I wouldn't call you a casual fan necessarily, but what do you know about Sting besides the fact that he once dressed up like the Joker in TNA? I know that he once dressed up like the Ultimate Warrior, and I think that's because they were tag team partners. Um, but outside of that, honestly, most of what he did through WCW, I know that he's a big deal. I know he was sort of the guy for a time. But I know also you know, Hulk Hogan was there, and maybe Hogan was past his prime, but they still sort of considered him the guy, at least the company did. And, I mean, then you also had... WCW for a time, I think, had Ric Flair, and he was, of course, always the guy, because he's Ric Flair, he is the man. Um, so I don't really know where in the power hierarchy Sting really falls. I have this impression of him as being the guy of WCW. I don't know if that's really true, or if that's just 
you know, the image that has been attached to him because he's the only guy who never went to WWE before now. I'm tweeting that we are discussing Sting and that you have no idea what he did in WCW at all. So yeah, basically. So who, who? I mean, I, I know that he had the old beach phase, and then I know he went into the crow phase. I'm aware of that transition, but I couldn't tell you anything specifically about it. Who were his big feuds in WCW? I'm going to say Ric Flair, but I have no idea. You you would be right. Okay, you would be right because you said Ric Flair was WCW, but Ric Flair was the heel. Sting was the babyface. Right. For, I presume that did, did Sting remain the babyface once Hogan intruded, or I? It's conveniently that you mentioned this because on my quest to watch all of the WCW pay per views, I'm now in January of '95. So Hogan appears summer of '94, and Sting is now Hogan's BFF, all and right. and very much the number two guy. Sting is number two. Oh yes, oh yes. Okay. It's, you know they were they were tag team partners, but it's it's you know Sting is now dressing in yellow and red face paint to look like Hogan, and you know it is it is okay. he's now he's not Hogan's biggest fan. That goes to Evad Sullivan, but he's Sting's you know he's now Hogan's buddy and running partner or something like that. So, but you you know, and I think your your ideas of Sting are pretty much what the vast majority of people feel about Sting and that's where WWE I think made a mistake because before all of this happened before the Mania match win or lose they should have done a better job trying to sell the WWE on who Sting was because people weren't educated they were like oh he's the icon I'm not sure they need to give them that background because his presence and his you know you know what you think you know about Sting is more important than what is true about Sting. And everybody knows Sting. They know the name. They know the makeup. They know who that guy is. I think, even the casual people, I think know who he is. Even if they don't really know, like me, they still have this idea. And I actually think that that plays to their benefit. Because right now, he could be anything you want him to be in your imagination. Um... And whatever, you know, I'm sure as you're going along your quest, there are plenty of pointless feuds and things that did that only weakened his character and things like that. You know, it's fine to gloss over that stuff. I mean, wrestling, WWE does that all the time. They're they're constantly sweeping stuff under the rug um, just to focus on what they want to emphasize. I, I would agree with And you. I think that mystique is what they want to emphasize about Sting. I would agree with you. They they want to push the icon. The You know, they're showing all Crow stuff. They don't show a lot of his you know, beach blast surfer dude character, which having seen it, I can understand why. But I don't remember them talking, you know, I had to look it up, admittedly. I had to look it up. But he's a six-time world heavyweight champion, two-time United States champion. He's held the television title. He held the tag title. You know, he he has done a lot, which would then justify him possibly as being a world title contender. And I think they just glossed over that. And I didn't need them to say, well, in 1992, he feuded with Lex Luger. But I did need a little more than they got. But regardless, you don't mind that he's a world champ. You you don't mind that he's contending for the world title besides the fact that he lost to Triple H. Right. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I... But going back to the original point, I I do not have a problem with him 
in this current position. Uh, I just do think that he should have beat Triple H. I understand that was never going to happen because they can't let you know WWE look weak compared to the failed WCW or whatever. But they didn't have to necessarily paint the match that way. I think that was a good setup for Sting versus The Undertaker. But I don't really honestly think that Triple H embodies like the history of WWE as he would have to for that setup to make sense. I mean, that's what they painted at WrestleMania. Yes. The Triple H was the guy, and he has been, you know, don't get me wrong, Triple H has been prominent, and he's obviously, you know, the CEO now, or, I mean, I don't know what his actual title COO, is. the Chief Operating yeah. Officer, I believe. Yeah, and I don't know what he, is that his, also his real title in the background of the company now I, as well? I think it might be, but I have no idea what goes on. Okay. But like I said, I mean, I, yeah, he's a great guy, he's been there for a long time, he's a stalwart and all. But I don't think of him as being the WWE. No, Shawn Michaels was the guy. And, I, I and now, granted, Shawn Michaels is retired and I think very happy to be. But I'm watching pay-per-view Starcade 1994, WCW. There's Jean-Paul Levesque, who's Triple H pretending to be a French aristocrat. So he's in WCW. You know, and he wasn't there long, but he's there. Shawn Michaels yeah. had never been in WCW. Sting had never been in WWE. That's your two franchises you put against each other. Was Taker ever in WCW? He was. Mean Mark, he was. Mean Mark Callis. Oh, that's what. I, I actually saw that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mean okay. Mark Callis teaming with Sid. And yeah. Dan... Oh, no, not Dan... Oh, no, I think he actually did team with Sabretooth from the first X-Men movie as well. So... So Sting and Rollins is set up. Rollins versus Cena is set up. Just right now, we'll get into predictions later, but right now, your gut feeling, two weeks out, how many titles does Seth Rollins walk out of Night of Champions holding? Probably one, but I could easily see two. Can you see zero? No. Well... Okay, wait a minute. Money in the Bank briefcase is still out there. So it's possible, except for the fact that Sheamus has that briefcase. So I guess I'm going to say it's not possible after all. I think yeah. I think you're right, though. Uh, I think he leaves with one, but I think that title is the U.S. title. You do? I don't know, because I could, I mean, in my head, if I'm booking this show, right, I could see, um, obviously, U.S. title opens the show, because you're not going to open the heavyweight title. Exactly. So you're going to open the show with the U.S., you're going to end the show with the heavyweight you start with the U.S. title. You have him get banged up, beat up real bad by John Cena. He drops the title. It looks like he's off his game. You're building a story. Could he possibly be ready to go later in the night, right? And then, boom, he retains against Sting. Like, I could see that totally happening. And, and I see him beating John Cena. This is the clean win against John Cena that he didn't get at SummerSlam. He actually pins John Cena, who... We'll have to talk about his injury in our next section. So he beats John Cena, but then he's so exhausted because beating your 15-time world champion is such an ordeal that Sting, the 56-year-old man, now has a built-in excuse to be able to beat this 29-year-old wunderkind. Uh, not Alex Wright. That was the German wunderkind from WCW. Wait, uh- so maybe you have to back it up for me, because like I said, I didn't actually get to see Sting on Raw. What's his justification for going after Rollins? So Sting came out, and now I, I only saw bits and pieces of this, because... Is he mad that he didn't get a statue? I mean, No, no. So my belief is this was supposed to be Sting and Triple H face-to-face for the first time since Mania. 
but then the shooting happened down at Full Sail, and so Triple H had to leave. So this promo, which was torn apart on the interwebs on NAI Pod, he basically came out and said, I'm going to beat you, Rollins, to show you that you're not as good as Triple H. The guy that you lost to. It was a very... He did a lot of kind of pumping Triple H up again. I think that was... Triple H would have done that himself, but he went... He had to go down to Florida, and so rather than try to craft something new, they just said, okay, let's take this promo that we wrote for two people and figure out how to make it so that one person can give it. So it was a little awkward, but he essentially said, Rollins, you're nothing but a punk... You're not as good as Triple H, and I want the one title I've never held. I've held all the other world titles in my companies, because I'm pretty sure he was TNA champion at some point. So he wants the WWE title. So Got it. it wasn't the greatest rationale, but it was good enough. So I, you know, right now my gut two weeks out is he beats Cena, he loses to Sting. Sting's your heavyweight champion for however long. I don't, know if, I don't know if this is the right time to drop that title to Sting. I mean, he has no track record in the WWE. He didn't win that one important match. Uh, yeah, I don't know. If anything, I could just see it as being another feather in Rollins's cap. They seem very mm-hmm. happy to keep building him up, building him up. And uh, this would be another great um, statement. On, you know, That's what Jason Maltov said on the podcast Wednesday, was you, know, you can beat your Hogan and your Rock in one night, or your... You know, Flair and your Bruno San Martino, or whatever he said, you can beat two of the all time greats in a single night. And that does cement his legacy. I don't know. For just, for, I'm not sure what's going to happen. And I guess I like that. I think, I think the part of it is, though, I think maybe part of your hesitation, you can tell me if I'm wrong, but I mean, part of my own hesitation would be that I don't think Rollins is that good. Like, I'm not saying he's bad. I'm not saying that he's, um, not good. He is good, but I don't know that he's that good. Is he really one of the all-time greats? I don't think so. No. Not yet. But you couldn't have said that Shawn Michaels was one of the all-time greats. Now, granted, he had an all-time WrestleMania moment winning the Iron Man match at WrestleMania 12, but he wasn't an all-time great during his first title run. Triple H wasn't an all-time great during his first title run. I think my point is nobody is an all-time great in their first title. Well, and that's why. So I think they're kind of jumping the gun, aren't they? Which is why I'm probably not inclined to think he's going to beat both Cena and Sting. Because that's a whole lot of pressure. You know, we got on the Reigns Express. We didn't board the Reigns Express, but we got on the case of the Reigns Express because we felt like he was being pushed too far too fast. Seth Rollins might be a different case, and he's certainly a better wrestler, but I think even that would be a little much. So I, yeah, He's going a little fast, yes. I agree. I, he's, he's, I, I think it was New Day that kept quoting. Somebody at some point was quoting how, oh no, it was Stardust talking to Neville, how Neville was like Icarus flying too close to the sun. Well, that would be Rollins had he, if he beats two all-time legends. So I think they're going to kind of pull back a little bit Sting wins, he can wrestle for a couple of months and then probably loses it to Cena at the Royal Rumble or something, and we go from there. All right, so we saw the return of Sting. We're going back two weeks because we haven't t- we didn't speak last week. We had another return two weeks ago, and it was those camouflage-wearing 
glasses-wearing, table-breaking... Those guys whose music hit and nobody had any idea who they well, were. Well, yeah, because you had the fireworks, but then no one had... It was different fireworks, though, wasn't it? Because they used to have like the shooting one that made that sound. And I thought they the did. Maybe they, maybe they changed the pyro, but I definitely noticed. Yeah, I it wasn't until they, they walked out that the crowd really, you know, kind of popped a little yes. bit, which made me I wonder, you know, that, that was a Brooklyn crowd, and that was a hip... They knew their wrestling history crowd. If that Raw had happened in Peoria or in Topeka or in Cheyenne, I think even when they had come out, people had been like, oh, these must be some NXT guys. I wonder why they're wearing glasses. (laughs) I could totally see that. Now, the Dudleys have been gone for a long time. Modern fans who have joined in the last decade... They don't know who they or are. They would be like, hey, isn't that the guy who showed up in the Rumble for some reason and then got eliminated right away and really irritated DC Matthews? So, Wasn't that the guy who uh, was friends with R-Truth? Because he told R-Truth to get some tables for some reason? Yes. So yeah, right. we, we asked about your Sting knowledge. Is your Dudley Boy knowledge a little more advanced than your Sting knowledge was? Not really. Although I know that they were uh, big in ECW and uh, they had a giant... Giant Dudley family at that time. Um, Dances with Dudley. Big Dick Dudley, I yep. think, is little, one that I Big heard Dick Dudley, around. Little Spike Dudley, Dances with Dudley. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm, I am more familiar with that because I have seen more of the ECW stuff, but I wouldn't say I'm familiar with all of it. Um, but the thing I will say again about uh, this recent return is that Bubba Ray did some of his best work that I at least am aware of in TNA as the Bully Ray character. This guy is a fantastic heel. He knows how to work a crowd to a T. You let this guy in a microphone, he knows what he's doing. And I think he could very easily translate that character from TNA to WWE, and he could be a big main event heel. I don't think that's something that's ever going to happen because I think he's a known quantity in the WWE and the powers that be see him as that known quantity and they're not going to give something that he did in TNA the time of day on their television product. But he was real, real good. And he could be real, real good here. There isn't a whole lot about TNA that I regret not seeing. I don't regret not seeing Sting in TNA. Whatever he did, I'm sure it was fine, but I don't think I missed anything. I missed Brother Ray or Bully Ray, that character, because I think he, from the little bits I saw and from knowing him in ECW, because even in ECW, if you watch his old stuff on the WWE Network, if you watch his old stuff when he was a heel in ECW, he was that good then. Like, he, the ECW crowd, which is normally very aggravated and emotionally involved, but they're usually pretty passionate about it, they wanted to kill him and the whole Dudley family, including Chubby Dudley and Snot Dudley. So, yeah. And and I imagine he did the same thing. I know he was involved with Brooke Hogan somehow. I don't know what that was about. That's honestly, some of that was real garbage because everything that, well, let's just put it this way Brooke Hogan. Black Hole of Charisma. Unfreaking watchable. But, I mean, but outside of that, Bully Ray, that character, he is so, so good. He could be main event right now. If they needed a main event heel in a pinch, 
He could do it. Like he is. I good. had hoped that that was what was going to happen when he came back at the Rumble because Me too. You, he was obviously he was in tremendous shape. He's not in as good shape now. He's I don't know no, if he's, he's let himself go or if it's just I don't know what's going on. But he was in tremendous shape. He had gotten much thinner, much more muscular. The end of his TNA run, he was in the best shape of his freaking life. It was amazing, and it really seemed like that you know he was primed for a run. I think they're going. They could be heels again. They could be the bitter, angry heels if they don't get those tag titles. I don't know if he's going to get a singles push. I don't think he is. Unless, but I mean, they're they're missing out because he could really contribute. Unless Devon decides to leave before Bubba's ready to leave, and then maybe. But I do. I think they're missing out because I think he could be good. You put him up there with Roman Reigns or John Cena. Or a face Seth Rollins or Ambrose or any of those guys. Hey, I'll be honest with you. Even if you don't want to put him in the main event, you give him one of those mid-card titles, and he is going to add prestige to that thing. He's going to make that crowd hate him in a way that a mid-card healed has not in the last ten years. Um, He could do so much in so many different positions in the company. I honestly think. He knows how to read a crowd. He knows how to make people upset. And he does it in character. It's amazing. Would you draw a comparison between him and Kevin Owens? in that way because Kevin Owens besides the people love him because he's Kevin Owens and he's really good but Kevin Owens has the same kind of way he seems to be able to know how to read a crowd he knows when to turn around and say something to the crowd and get them to you know he'll do a cool move they cheer he turns around and says something and they immediately start booing him again the the only difference is that Kevin Owens has a very disaffected character so he doesn't necessarily always show uh, his emotions he he tends to show a more apathetic side of him, is just which is how he he tries to rile up the crowd. Um, on the other hand, Bully Ray I think taps into his emotions better, and the crowd feels it more. I, so honestly, I think to some degree he has potential to even be better than Kevin Owens uh, in that. I'm not saying in ring work, but um, the way that he could work. With I the crowd, I hope so. he gets his chance, but right now he and New Day seem to be. In a feud, the New Day has taken up the ca- the cause for table equality, which I believe is, is is very wonderful. You know, the Thanksgiving table, the poker table, periodic table. I, I thought of you when he said that. Nice shout out to the scientists with the periodic table from one PhD to another, Xavier Woods to Doc yeah. Manson. Is he a PhD? Did he earn it already, or is he still a? Candidate? I think he, I think he has earned it, but I'm not sure. Okay. But regardless, what are your thoughts on this feud with the New Day? Primetime players got involved on SmackDown. i assuming you didn't see that, but that New Day sat in on commentary, which was entertaining. So thoughts on the tag team division heading into Night of Champions? Um, I'm glad that the Dudleys are there. I like primetime players, although I'm not really a big fan of the stuff that Darren Young is doing right now. I don't what do you know, mean? Uh, uh, it's just that the stuff he's done on commentary hasn't been very strong. I mean, he's never been a very strong talker. And he's kind of got this more, I don't know, over-the-top character that he's doing. And it's just not really working for me. I like Titus on commentary. He is very green, and sometimes he trips over himself a little bit. But I like his sort of, uh, the character that he plays of sort of a well-put-together guy trying to sound a little more maybe intellectual. I don't know. The way that Titus delivers things, though... Uh, appeals to me so Titus Titus is the standout of that team and it's funny because Darren Young has the better story given his you know his uniqueness among the company but Titus is just 
the ring works better. The talking, the verbal skills are better. He's gotten better publicity with the being a good dad thing. So I, I don't think we're going to be long to see the primetime players as a team. I think eventually Titus O'Neil gets some sort of shot as a singles wrestler. You're making a face. Not that anyone can I see I just it. don't know if... I, I, I just don't know that Titus ever goes anywhere, so... Why, I mean, what's stopping him? Besides, you know. <laughs> um, he's good... But like I told you, he does trip over himself sometimes when he's talking. Well, so he needs polish. He definitely needs polish. I just... Here's the thing. I could see him... They need to focus on their tag team division. They need the tag team division to have, you know, cornerstones. They need to have, like, a long time... They need to have teams there that are established as teams. For a long time, the teams in the tag team division are just sort of these transient entities that come and go. There's no, like, real long-time established players that you feel like are forces to be reckoned with. They need those guys. And I don't know if the primetime players are it or not, but I'm okay if Titus O'Neil is known as a tag team guy for his entire life. Um, they need those people. Maybe it's not the glory of being a many event solo guy, but they need those guys, and I think he could fill that role very well. And I just don't know that he's ever going to actually hold the heavyweight title, so... Why not just let him excel where he is? Would you consider the Usos to be a cornerstone? I know they're going to make their return at some point. Black holes of charisma, I don't care. They must do well with the kids. That's the only explanation I have. I don't, I don't like the Usos. I, uh, I, don't, I don't get them. They don't do anything for me. They're okay in the ring, but they're nothing special. What about the Ascension? They've got a new start now. I've, I've, I've wiped the slate clean with Connor and Victor. I'm giving them a new shot based on what I saw in SmackDown, so... I didn't see him on SmackDown. All I did was see them lose on NXT. Have you so have you heard about what happened is. on SmackDown? No. Uh, Stardust and Neville were going to have a match. The Ascension t- attacked Neville before the match, and I believe they are now, the three of them, are now known, I don't know if this is going to be the stable name, but they are the Cosmic Wasteland. But there is a picture posted on Twitter. You're not a fan, I can tell. But... I mean, it's fine. You got to do something with the Ascension, right? And everything that Stardust touches right now, to me, is gold. No pun intended, I guess. But um, the stuff with Wade Barrett, I thought, was fantastic. The Cosmic Kings. But they dropped that so fast. I just don't have any faith that they're going to stick with anything mm-hmm. right now. Even this Ascension thing, I have no faith that it's going to be here in two Well, weeks. Barrett went off to make his movie, so they had to write him off TV for a few months, so... Oh, I presume they were writing him off TV to fire him. I don't know. We thought that too because then he, for on Twitter, he changed his Twitter name from Wade Barrett to his real name, Stu Barrett. So people assumed that, but he is apparently making a WWE Studios movie for them. So that's why he's off television. So who knows? Who knows what's going on? I liked what I saw with the Ascension and Stardust because the Ascension didn't have to do much, and it's better when they don't have to do much. So that was good. Stardust, I think, is a good enough character to have a basis. You know, eventually, maybe Goldust comes back to team with Neville. Maybe they bring the Hurricane out of retirement and we get some more superheroes. Yeah, you'd see. See, now I just talked you into it with that. The Hurricane... I'm just not sure that the Hurricane can walk anymore. Uh, From what somebody told me on Twitter, he's an agent for TNA right now. I don't know if that's true or not. But they could bring back Rosie. I, I looked. He's still alive. I wasn't sure. So, <laughs> I mean, they can bring back Rosie as long as The Rock is around. But otherwise, he's not necessary. Well, they they can bring back all sorts of Samoans if 
you know, they're going to turn Tamina into a Samoan. I know there's not much we want to say about the Jimmy Snuka situation, but, you know, Tamina might suddenly discover some Samoan roots she didn't know she had, and she's going to change her name. And All I can say is a Tamo- uh, Tamona. <laughs> it, it's again. That was like when I asked you when I asked you who the Intercontinental Champion was, and it took you a minute. When when you don't know the names of the divas right off the top of your head, are we really experiencing a revolution? I don't know. I think we maybe are, but certainly not one that involves Tamina. Well, certainly not now. Speaking of the Divas division, let's use this natural segue. We can go back to tag teams if we want to, because I do like tag team discussion. Um, Charlotte has won the beat the clock. I'm going to make sure I pronounce that word right every single time. Beat the clock challenge. As opposed to what? Any other word. I'm not even sure what you would mispronounce that to. Beware the clock? Like, what is she, a chicken? I don't. In, like, in case people think I'm taking a letter out of the word. So. Beat the. It'll get there. You'll get there. You'll get okay, there. Okay, I guess. <laughs> you're going to say that. I, right. just, I, I think I see I, I want to make now. sure this is a PG show, so I will enunciate as much as I can for the Beat the Stopwatch Challenge. Okay, hold on a second. Can we just say that this whole thing is a giant sham? They've been coming out there with the Bella billboard or whatever the hell they've been calling it, showing the countdown to her championship. They do the thing on Raw with the um, the match, the, the beat the clock challenge, and, oh, okay, Charlotte wins it, but the match is after the record gets broken. Like, I don't, I don't get it. Like, I don't, why do we care? Like, obviously we care because Charlotte's involved, but... Apparently on SmackDown... And I didn't see this part because I tend to fast-forward past women's wrestling. I'm sorry, Divas fans out there. But apparently Charlotte said she wants her title shot before it comes out. So maybe we'll see them wrestle, and then, you know, Nikki rolls out from under the ring and takes the count out because then she retains her title. Then... Yeah, she's getting that. She's getting oh, of course that she is. I mean, she's of course she is. Record, right? I don't think it's an accident that Night of Champions falls literally three days after she wins the she sets the record. No, I mean, it is maybe it is a coincidence, but there's definitely. Well, and I also think. I mean, she's definitely. I think I, the last time I checked, and I, I'm not going to check again because I honestly don't care that much. But the last time I checked, I'm pretty sure she breaks the record on a Wednesday or a Thursday. I'm pretty sure that Monday they're going to celebrate it. So I don't know if they'll yeah. adjust history or whatever because they're going to want that sort of celebration to be on Raw because nobody watches SmackDown. So, but it it is she hasn't defended the title since June. Somebody posted on Twitter today she's defended the title nine times in 2015. We're in the ninth month of 2015. Oh. Thank God, because she's not very good and nobody wants to watch her. But I'll tell you right now, everybody online is anticipating that she's going to drop this thing at Night of Champions because it's after the record gets broken. I don't think so. I think she's going to beat Charlotte and she's going to go on to be like the reigning record-defending champion. Everybody's thinking that that's what's going to happen. And the way that I know WWE works, they're going to keep that title on her. I I will disagree. I think... I think they wanted her to set the record. They wanted somebody that is under their control. And as the representative of the wrestling Kardashian family, that's where she is. She's not going to, she's not going to disappear like AJ did. She's not going to start taking awkward Skype calls like some other former divas are on Twitter now or something like that. So I don't know what you're talking about. Could you fill me in in excruciating detail? I really couldn't because I don't pay attention. But apparently some former 
you know, some former divas who are current Hall of Famers and may or may not have been some chief of staff's first celebrity crush is apparently you can reserve time to Skype with her and you can chat about whatever you want. So... It's funny. I wouldn't think that the fabulous Moolah would be able to do any sort of online chat. To this she's point. hip. She's she's hip, babe. Despite being dead for I don't know how many years, mm. but um, but anyways, I think Nikki Bella's uh, the the right person in WWE's mind to hold that record. So she'll hold the record. She'll break the record by a couple of days, and then Charlotte wins, and then. No matter what, Charlotte wins, and WWE basically says, there, you got your revolution, now move on. And whatever happens from there, happens from there. So, But it could, you could be right. They could, it could be a giant joke on us, and Nikki wins, and holds it for another two or three months. And I mean, as they've told us before, Charlotte's not pretty enough, so I don't see why on the world they would drop the championship to her. Well, then why didn't someone else beat the clock? Well, exactly. Why didn't they? Because then at least there would be a possibility of Nikki Bella actually dropping this belt. They're clearly not going to put it you in think, You think if Paige had won or if Becky Lynch had won, there would be a different... You'd have a different opinion than you do now? I mean, that was where I was going, but now that you say it out loud, clearly that, no, that has no effect. I, I think the best chance for that belt to change hands, since there wasn't a storyline way for Sasha Banks to be in the match, would be for Charlotte. Paige isn't going to do it, otherwise they would have yeah. given her the title already. Becky Lynch, as talented as she might be, isn't there yet, plus she's got an accent, and if WWE hates something more than not being pretty enough, it's having an accent, so I think Charlotte's the best chance that they've got. We spent an awful lot of time talking about something that you fast-forward through on a weekly basis. I want to make sure that our podcast, the currently titled Neighborhood Podcast, is something for all audiences. Don't electrocute yourself. Even if you don't, I don't watch it. I don't. I watched part of uh, Becky, no, Bailey and Sasha from NXT TakeOver, and I watched the ending of the Beat the Clock challenge so I could see what the times were. I thought it was hilarious, and somebody posted this on Twitter, not my original idea. None of my ideas are original. But I saw something posted on Twitter that here we go, the Divas Revolution, and the goal is to have the shortest match possible. Mm-hmm. So, and when your when your first match, your opening match is set at three minutes and sixteen seconds, you're in trouble. You know, the beat the clock. I mean, it's great. It's great that they're allowing them to have three matches on Raw, right? But, when the uh, grand total of for time, a grand total of seven yes. minutes. Yeah, yes. Right. I remember some beat the clock challenges with male talents for rumble spots or whatever, where the opening match was fourteen minutes, and you had to beat fourteen. But regardless. Ideally, we have a new women's champion. Ideally, she calls it the women's title, not the Divas title. And maybe some things change, but you never know. All right, we've talked about Stardust and the Ascension. Um, You missed SmackDown. Kevin Owens cut a promo talking to Renee Young, and he was talking about how... Yeah, right over there? Oh, it's hot. Yeah, no fans. I'll survive. Kevin Owens was talking about how... You know, people have been always criticizing the way he looks, but because he's so talented and everyone knows he's so good, it doesn't matter. So he, you know, when it comes to people criticizing him, he says, bring it on, or should he say, feed me 
more, winks at the camera and walks off, which of course leads everyone to believe that Owens is going to be the next challenger for Ryback's Intercontinental title. This is obviously new information to you. Is this the plan for Night of Champions? I would assume so. He's got to defend the title, and I don't think... Even WWE is not cruel enough to give us another big show Ryback match. So, Aren't they? So, if it's Owens, your thoughts? Uh, Should be a good match. I don't think they're doing any great service to Owens by um, sort of languishing him in the mid-card. I think he deserves better than that. But, yeah, I think he'll uh, bring... Ryback to a strong match and if anything I think it could potentially make Ryback a stronger champion to have that win under his belt and you you assume that Ryback's going to win do you, do you give any thought of the idea that Kevin Owens wins the Intercontinental title and maybe does something with it akin to what John Cena did with the US title not necessarily open challenges but elevating the Intercontinental title from its current position of blech to something a little more respectable Maybe I, I don't. Th- I just don't think Kevin Owens is that guy. I, I mean, I like Kevin Owens a lot. The NXT audience likes Kevin Owens a lot. Uh, the, the Ring of Honor audience likes Kevin Steen a lot. Um, but this is a guy whom they wouldn't put the U.S. title on by beating John Cena. They wouldn't give him the win over John Cena when John Cena wasn't even in the main event picture. I just, I just feel like they don't have any faith in him. Why didn't they bring this guy in white hot and put him in that main event scene? I, they had something really good going with John Cena there for a little while, but ultimately all I did was use that story to, you know, actually diminish his standing in the company. So I, I don't know. I'm confused. Well, about and and, and I can I tell because you just said two different things. You started off that by talking about how you think the Intercontinental title is almost beneath Kevin Owens, and you would hope for more from him. And then I hope for more okay. from him. Yes, but then in this, but then later you talked about, and I guess that's the difference. It's what you want or you perceive versus what WWE seems to perceive. At least it's my perception of what I think the WWE perceives about him, and I don't think they have any faith in him. Which is too bad, because I actually think he could be the guy. The guy? Well, maybe not the guy, but he could be a guy, and he could be a pretty damn good one. All right, well, we should have that discussion on the guys and a guys and all of that. Um, I do think it's... You like talking about the guys, don't you? What? (laughs) Nothing. All right. What? Nope, nothing. I'm confused. All right, so <laughs> Kevin Owens, I think I don't think this is the end of the world for him. Um, I don't like Ryback. I'm hoping against hope that Kevin Owens wins the Intercontinental title because literally anything he does with it, even if he comes out and plays it like an air guitar for six weeks, is a better option to me than having Ryback as your champion. I know that you don't like. I don't. Ryback. I'm again. This they, is my perception. They they don't like Kevin Owens. Now, look at what look at this from the WWE perspective. They had Randy Orton come out several weeks ago to insult this guy on his physique. And now you've got him in the ring against Ryback, a champion, a guy who no doubt is in that position. Maybe he's not very good. I think he's okay. You think he's not very good. The WWE apparently thinks he's good enough because of his physique. He's incredibly built. 
You tell me that you see the two of them together and you can't start thinking that possibly the WWE is going to elevate Ryback simply because of his physique over Owens? You're crazy. They think like that all the time. Of course that's what they're going to do. I've, maybe I've said this before, but Ryback brings to mind my favorite quote from Angels in the Outfield. There's a thing called talent, and he doesn't have it. He can do he can do that splash from the top rope, and it's great. He can pick up the big show for some version of Shell-Shocked, and it's great. He can pump his arm, which is just another version of Roman Reigns cocking his fist, and do his meat look clothesline, and it's great. That is not the same thing but at all. You don't think him going, feed me, more, that's not the same thing? That's getting the crowd pumped up. That's the same thing as when Randy... Cocking his arm is not something that the crowd emulates in any sort of fashion. I mean, the Feed Me More thing is a chant. It's a it's a what chant? It's a yes chant. It's a thing that you are engaging the audience to be involved. That's what Roman Reigns is Roman doing. Roman Reigns, he does, but but the crowd does not get behind him when he does that. Maybe they cheer a little, but they're not going to sit there and go ooh ah with him. They don't. That's I mean, an, that's an issue. With, that's an issue all. with the guy. But it's still the same action. A, Randy Orton, when he turns around and drops to his belly and starts slithering around like he's going to... No. No. So, cocking the arm is a signature move, whereas the other one is... Uh, I mean, admittedly, it's a self-led, but it's it's a chant. It's an audience engagement activity. The other one is just a signature move. No, they're the exact same It's something thing. that's recognizable. I disagree. John Cena putting his hand up in the air for the five-knuckle shuffle is the same thing as the Feed Me More. It's the same thing as Orton doing his thing. It's the same thing as The Rock stopping and looking before doing the people's elbow. That's that's more of a signature All move. of these things, including Ryback's meat hook, all of these things are trying to get the crowd involved in the match. I don't like the cocking of the arm thing that Roman Reigns does, but that's what he's doing. In 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 essence, the Dean Ambrose rope flippy do is the same kind of thing because it brings them. You know, Bray Wyatt's turning upside down in the corner. They're all. Does he do that anymore? He did. I haven't I haven't seen that in a while. Actually. He he did yeah. with um, Brom Stroganoff, Beef Stroganoff, and Harper, and the whole thing, and. So, okay. so regardless, we're getting off track, which is a signature move here on the Neighborhood Podcast to try to get the crowd involved. But I think you're right. I don't like Ryback. And whether or not that's my own personal bias, I'm free to admit it. And I will go out of my way to compliment him when he does something right. And occasionally he will do something right. Kevin Owens does everything right except for the fact that he's got a gut. That's the... He doesn't do everything right. I mean, he certainly couldn't take uh, that move from John Cena, right? Well, have you seen the video? Did you see the actual video? I have seen the video. What, what's the name of that move again? Uh, I forget. I've been calling it the Code Red. People on Twitter have been calling it a Yoshi Tonic. I don't know what that means, but what did uh, Petey Williams? The Canadian call Destroyer. Yeah, it's sort of the same, except idea, right? much, much worse. Yeah. Um, so I, I mean, I'm gonna. Let's throw this out there. I considered tweeting when I when I saw what had happened and when I read at first what had happened about John Cena. I hadn't actually seen the video yet, but then I remembered my uh, mishap in the first week on the Neighborhood Podcast with Roman Reigns, and I thought better of it. But I, just for the, I think this is maybe a smaller group here listening to us. So just for your benefit, this is the kind of hot exclusive you get by listening to the Neighborhood Podcast. Uh, my tweet would have been something along the lines of. 
Scientific fact. Cats land on their feet. Ergo, John Cena is not a cat. I would like you to go tweet that right now. I would like you to get onto your Twitter and tweet that right now because the Roman Reigns fans are the teenage girls that are going to take issue. The John Cena's fans are the eight-year-old kids. They don't follow you on Twitter. I, I'm we, probably the, going to get 100 the, follows, aren't I? The New Age, the insiders, actual, like, the New Age insiders has a 12-year-old fan, probably the only 12-year-old fan that we have. I am willing to bet you will never have an 8-year-old fan. On Twitter, no, and but even but even beyond just if the you don't fans, do it, I'm going to do it. I'm going to tweet it right now. I'll, I'll, I'll tweet it, not right now, but I'll tweet it when we're done. But the, you know, the thing is, I think is very funny about this is I, you're, as you said, there's the younger fans that are big fans of Roman Reigns, and they were the ones that came after me for making an innocent joke, right? I have a feeling that the people who are going to see the John Cena tweet are going to probably think it's funny, and if anything, I'll not get notoriety. I'll probably get people thinking that's humorous, and I think it's very funny that. It's the same situation. Two guys that got hurt, but because of the way the fan base is sort of aligned behind them or not, that's going to completely train change yes. how my comment about somebody potentially who could have been injured is yes. going to be perceived. I think that's I, ridiculous. Well, I will agree with you in part. I will say the one difference, John Cena got injured in a match in which he willingly went into understanding that there's the risk for injury. Roman Reigns got hit by a flying briefcase. Not, not yeah, something sure. that was... Not something you would normally expect. But I will agree. People will find your tweet hilarious, which is why I wish you would not wait until we're done. Tweet it now so that I can share some of the great feedback here on the Neighborhood Podcast. We want a Neighborhood segment where we include the audience. And I've got stuff here from Roger and Jay Squeezy and Snowman. But you tweet that, and I think we're going to get some serious... Fan I'm trying interest. to figure out how to use my Twitter. He doesn't know how to use Twitter, folks. Well, I have a new app, and I'm looking at where I go. To how many monitors do you have in this little layer in. of yours? Uh, currently, I have two, but one's like 30 inches, and the other one's 24. So it's a lot of real estate to look. Back yeah, and I'm, forth I'm trying to look between the Chromebook, the iPad, and the desktop. I feel like the guy from Swordfish, and as. Doc Manson knows, technologically speaking, I do not belong anywhere near anything remotely resembling swordfish. So while he sends this tweet, we've talked about... I I do think Kevin Owens... There's been a lot of talk on Twitter. Neighborhood, you'll back me up on this. We've been talking about ways to improve the Intercontinental title division. I had an idea that I've kind of... I haven't lost interest in, but I got to a point... I don't know if you other fantasy bookers out there, you have this great idea and you start working on it. You get to this point where you get stuck. And you either find a way to make it work, the idea comes to you, which is what I've been waiting for, you find a way to make it work that you're not really a big fan of, or you just scrap the whole thing. So right now I'm kind of scrapping the whole thing. I had a way for Chris Jericho to make the Intercontinental title more relevant again. I know Brandon McIntyre, a member of the NAI team, has similar ideas. But, oh, there it is. He tweeted it. Scientific fact. Cats land on their feet. Ergo, John Cena is not a cat. I can't wait for this. So the point I'm trying to make is Kevin Owens could be an intercontinental title saver. He's the guy that you can build a division around. Regardless of my feelings of Ryback, he's not a guy you're going to build around. If you want him to go up and challenge Seth Rollins fine. If you want him to go up and turn heel and attack Sting, or be involved with Sheamus somehow, fine. If you want to... If WWE is insistent, just because he has nice muscles, 
to move him up to that next level, fine. But he is doing nothing for the Intercontinental title right now. Kevin Owens will. That's the end of my point. I honestly, my one counterpoint that I'll offer you is Ryback is more popular with the mainstream fans than Kevin Owens is. I hate that that's true. Like, hate. But it's it's true, though, isn't it? You can't tell me that's not true. I'm doing the sign. Yeah, Yeah. feed me more. Just just like this. They're the exact same thing, like cock in the arm. The exact same thing. He's waiting. Oh, here it goes. Somebody favorited it already. We can't just watch it, though. That's not good radio. (laughs) No, absolutely not. So let's move on. All right. We've talked a lot about anything else in WWE that comes to mind. Um, Have you been keeping up with the Dolph Ziggler and Rusev love rhombus, which is what I've called it? Dude, I don't care. At but all. they spent so much I, time I talking I, about time, it. The last time we got together, I talked about how they had destroyed one of the true strong female characters in wrestling today. And since the last um, pay-per-view or event or whatever, Lana is a complete caricature at this point. She is a complete waste, a com- complete 180 reversal from what she once was. And it is so sad, I think, to see what has become of that mm-hmm. character. It, 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 yeah, You've had sad. your scientific fact tweet that's going to blow up. I had quite the popular one earlier today because on Lana's Twitter feed, I don't follow her, but someone retweeted it, saying she was thanking Vince McMahon and Stephanie McMahon for allowing her to be a leader on Woman Leadership Day. So I tweeted something along the lines of, Lana just thanked the McMahons for allowing her to be a leader. She was then carted away by orderlies because she is clearly insane. And, you know, three months ago, four months ago, she could have tweeted that because, as you said, that was some of the best wrestling analysis and commentary that I think we've had on this podcast, let alone any wrestling podcast. You're talking about Lana being the woman in power and her fall from grace, as it were. She's now just the girl in denim, although something happened on SmackDown on Ms. TV. I didn't watch it because I didn't care. Something happened on SmackDown... She as she walked away from Dolph. So I don't know where this is going. I don't think we're going to get our mixed tag team match at Night of Champions unless this is all one way. The only way they salvage this is if this is all some convoluted way of getting Lana and Rusev back together and they're going to pretend like the whole last four or five months never happened. And if they figure out some way of doing that where Dolph in summer, Dolph turns heel, he started to wear the long black tights, usually in a uh, costume change signifies some sort of character change. WWE loves that kind of foreshadowing. If Dolph and Summer become the heels and they're playing a trick on these Russians and then Rusev comes to get Lana and picks her up and carries her back and now they're all happy again and we get a marriage at Survivor Series and all of that kind of thing, then we're fine. No, we're not. We are fine, but Lana's character never actually recovers from this. You don't think she goes to... She, she, well, and, and, and what do you mean by recover? She's not going to go back to being this very right. reserved, hair-up-in-a-bun type, but you don't think she hits that zenith of, I won't say popularity, but importance again? I don't think she gets either of those things again, though. And on top of that, Rusev's time is come and gone. He's done as much with that gimmick as he can, and there's just there's just nothing else to do. There's nothing else. There's nothing else to do with them, and that, that's the that's the problem with those types of characters. It's the problem with those 
with those foreign heel characters. They become one note. It doesn't matter how good they are as a package. Rusev is one of the probably best wrestlers on the roster. He's very good. I like him a lot. But what else are you going to do with him? You're not going to send him to the main event. You're just not. So, treading water is the rest of his career. Unless they do something very serious with his character. A repackaging of some kind. Do you think it happens for either of them? Or do you think Rusev winds up being a main event player in Global Force Wrestling sometime in late 2016? I don't know that he has the cachet to even do that. He, I mean, he, he did have some big feuds in the WWE, but when I don't think he's a name or anything. I don't think he's a big get for anybody uh, if he were to disappear tomorrow. Um, I don't... It's really no different than if Global Force Wrestling wanted to pick up Muhammad Hassan tomorrow. I just don't think that's a big deal that anybody cares about. People cared at the time, maybe. I will say Rusev, I don't mean to say Rusev isn't talented. He's far more talented than the name I just brought up. But I, there's, there's nothing built around him. I, there's, there's, I there's think the talent him. and just the fact that it's more high-profile, you know, if if Wade Barrett had left, he could have been a main event guy. You know, Johnny Mundo is a main event guy in Lucha Underground, despite the fact that he didn't have a great WWE career. I think if Rusev was fired tomorrow, by Christmas, he's maybe not in Ring of Honor, but he's in some other, quote-unquote, big wrestling company doing main event work. I don't know what happens from here. I think there is a... I see a silver lining in some way they can turn this into Rusev and Lana getting back together. They both become good guys. The you know, Rusev abandons the, you know, Uber national stuff. He doesn't come out with a star spangled flag. He doesn't come out with you know, he doesn't come out dressed as Uncle Sam. But he comes out just now as I'm just a fighter. I'm a fighter. This is my girlfriend, this is my fiance, whomever we are you know, we actually, they were a mutual thing instead of one controlling the other. And with hit, with Lana now in his corner, he goes back to being a periphery main eventer. I think that could happen. Um, the way you paint that, that's a thing that could happen. And I'd be very glad to see it because it's the only way that he ever does anything uh, of high profile. Who has a better chance of succeeding in WWE from this day forward, Lana or Rusev? If you had to pick one. I don't know because I've never seen Lana wrestle. She, I, I don't think wanted. she... She's been training for a mixed tag match. She's never going to be a regular women's wrestler, I don't think. So So probably Rusev. Fair enough. All right. We have... Oh, the one thing that came up today... So we have the Wyatts, including their new member, Braun Strowman. I think I've finally gotten the name right two weeks in. What were your thoughts on him making his debut? Because he did not appear in NXT. He wrestled for you know, some live shows, but he never appeared on NXT television. Your thoughts on him going up to the main roster without being part of NXT? Your thoughts on him as a member of the Wyatts? What do you think? Um... He's big. He's six eight. That's the that's what make that's what a big guy is in WWE these days. Six foot eight. He is a big, big, big he's, guy. That's all I can say about him is he's mm. big. You see him next to Roman Reigns, and it's just like my God, this guy is big. Um, but I mean, that's really all I can say about him. I don't think there's any problem 
with a specialty character like this skipping I agree NXT, completely. P- part of the surprise is part of what makes that character interesting for now. Uh, I don't know how long he remains interesting, though, because he's certainly not much of a... Uh... Oh, I mean, I, I guess I can't say that. I don't know how much of a talent he is. Did I you see him? him really did you see him go. wrestle Ambrose on Raw? Yeah, and I think that was good. That was I was good. impressed. You know, I didn't have high expectations because I'd never seen him wrestle, and usually the big monster guys aren't great wrestlers necessarily. Mm. But I was impressed with what I saw from him as a big guy. I don't expect him to be winning any world titles anytime soon, but for a big guy who's never had a lot of mainstream TV experience, I thought he's good. Um the one thing I will say about Braun Strowman is he makes me feel really bad for Eric Rowan. I don't think we see Eric Rowan again. I think the next time we see Eric Rowan, he's either in NXT trying out a new gimmick or he's on WWE.com having been released. That's why I feel bad but for Eric Rowan. we can segue nicely here because on Raw, Monday night, we are going to see a six-man tag team match. The Wyatts, all three of them, versus... Roman Reigns, Dean Ambrose, and a yet-to-be-announced mystery partner. So, oh, man. Maybe it's the Rubik's Cube solving Eric Rowan. So, it, could this be the return of Eric Rowan? He's supposed to not be able to return until November, though it's entirely possible he's healthy and just we don't know about it. Um, a lot of people have given some thoughts. So right off the top of your head, if you had to pick two or three guys you think would fill that spot to be the mystery sixth man, um, who do you think it would be? I, I know you said you wanted to do a video podcast. I just think we need video of your face when I ask these questions because sometimes you're thinking of how to subvert my question and sometimes you're actually just trying to think because I don't tell you these questions beforehand. I just spring them at you. So... I have no idea. Um, the Shield guys have no real allies, so nobody like makes sense to pull in there. Um, Eric Rowan, because of his stance against the Wyatts, I guess makes the most amount of sense if he's cleared mm-hmm. to wrestle. Eric Rowan makes the most sense from a storyline. Who, who else has? Who else has the Wyatt, Has Bray Wyatt sort of? been involved with in the recent Ryback. past. Okay, I mean, I guess that's possible, but unlikely, because he's probably going to be tied up with Owens. I, I hate to say it. There's there's two potential, the, the two most likely possibilities in my mind, and then I want to give you just some dream ideas. But the two most likely answers are, number one, Cesaro. Just because he's a main event-ish guy who's currently doing nothing. Like he's, you know, the feud, yep. the feud with Owen seems to be over. Option, and I would be okay with that if that was the guy, just because I like Cesaro and it would make the match. Watching Cesaro versus Bray Wyatt is something I would like to do. Same with Cesaro versus Luke Harper. Second guy is Ryback, because Ryback comes out as the sixth guy. He does. He was the last feud before Reigns, and then you have Owens come out to attack Ryback, which sets up their. Entirely possible. If it's Ryback, I'm disappointed. If it's Cesaro, I'm excited. Eric Rowan? I don't think either no, one matters. No, I don't think so either, but it's it was something interesting for people to talk about. And pie, you know, Eric Rowan does make sense if he was healthy. I don't think it's going to be him. Pie-in-the-sky ideas. Number one, Chris Jericho. Has a history with Wyatt. 
uh, granted it's old history at this point, ancient history. Option two, and this is now I'm going pie in the sky, high sky, pie in space sky. Can you call space sky there, doctor? No, no, you can't. It's just space. Okay. I, I think so. I mean, it depends how far out you are, but once you're in space space, I think that's So, the pie in space option... Pie in space! ...would be Daniel Bryan making his surprise return. Again, ancient history, but making his surprise return. He's healthy, and just nobody knows about it. And he comes back as the third member of the S.H.I.E.L.D., and everything is awesome. Everything is cool when you're part of the team. Everything is awesome. Anyways. Did I did the see Lego the Lego movie? movie. Did you enjoy it? I enjoyed it enough. It was, it was quite it was good. quite good. So. Uh, yeah, I mean, maybe, but I don't no, think it does I, anything for Daniel well, Bryan. But I guess it gives the DB rub to two others besides Ryback. So. I really wish you there wouldn't you call it that. I just really... Unless it's going to go on chicken, I, I don't want to hear about any kind of rub. I know, because you start hearing about the DB rub, and then you start thinking, well, what could DB stand for? The down below? The, uh... Please stop talking. <laughs> just just please stop talking. All right. Yes, sir. Um, I've got nothing else WWE-wise to talk about, unless you want to get into the fact that we had Vince McMahon's 70th birthday. Uh, I mentioned on last week's podcast, I know you listen to every second at least twice, I made a prediction, hashtag prediction, prediction, that Vince McMahon does not see his 80th birthday. And on NAI pod, they figured he wasn't going to see his 90th birthday. I think that's that's pie in the sky. Um, that's, that's pie in space, 90 for Vince so McMahon. So I don't want to talk about predicting the actual date and time of his death. But all I'm going to say is you don't take a guy who was as skinny and rail-like as Vince McMahon was in the 80s, bulk him up to what he was at the end of the 90s without some sort of substances that could have a detrimental effect on your cardiovascular system. So, I'm assuming sooner rather than later is going to be the case. I think you're right, and I think the the only reason we it's worth talking about is... To talk about next steps, you know, Trip, Vince McMahon has not been on TV in a while unless somebody has died and he's out in the crowd during the ten bell salute. I don't think we ever see Mr. McMahon on TV again unless he has to make some sort of announcement or unless he has to do something like that. But backstage, creatively, where do we go from here? You know, can WWE succeed with a single? Without that single-handed entity who ran things on his own for 30 years, I'm going to let you talk for a few minutes, so you keep talking until I come back. All right. You got it. And to be honest with you, I'm going to say that Vince McMahon is probably going to be... I don't want to say easily replaced... Alright, neighborhood, DC Matthews is gone. So when you hear this, I want you to go to Twitter, and I want you to tweet, hashtag, DC in the bathroom. Alright, so getting back to what we were talking about, um, I don't know necessarily that Vince McMahon is going to 
be able to be replaced easily. But I do think that, honestly, it's not going to be as big of a deal as a lot of people make it out to be. He is a genius. He was a guy who, you know, sort of navigated that early territory time and put together the monolith that is WWE. And he's got a great mind for business. But at this point, I do think that WWE, to some extent, is a bit of a juggernaut. And I do think that a lot of the creative decisions that Vince continues to make and has made over the last few years, maybe extending even further back, aren't necessarily the best decisions that he possibly could have been making. So I think if we get somebody fresh creatively coming in, I think there's the potential there to put together a much better show than the ones that right now, my interpretation is, are being gated by Vince McMahon, right? Vince McMahon has to do some something. He's doing something where all the ideas still have to go through him. Maybe that's not true. Maybe it's now Stephanie that's taken over. Maybe it's Triple H. Um, regardless, I mean, I, I, so, I mean, maybe that's already happened and we don't even know it, right? I think that's entirely possible. I know we hear a lot about Vince McMahon and Kevin Dunn maybe making decisions that a lot of people don't agree with, but I don't know that we know that that's true. So maybe all those changes have actually already happened and it's not going to be as big of a change as really we're anticipating it being. Uh, I mean, I think a lot of those changes may have just already happened when Vince sort of gave more power to Stephanie and Triple H. So I don't know if it's going to be a big difference. I agree with everything you just said. Sure. We'll go with that. Okay. I rambled a lot, and I think I repeated myself about six times. That's that's really okay. I wanted to stay hydrated. I knew it was going to be hot, so I drank two bottles of water and, you know, every so often. So if you need to to let me ramble for a while, I'll I'll pretend I heard (laughs) everything you said and go from there. So. All right. So I got the chance to talk about Vince last week. You got the chance to talk about Vince now. You made some excellent points, sir, I really must say. I'm sure I did. Um, do you want to talk about NXT or do you want to save it for a while? We've been we're over the hour mark already, so we might as well talk about NXT because I actually watched it this week and I can't make that guarantee. All right, that's fair places. enough. The Dusty Rhodes Tag Team Classic began. We saw uh, entirely too many tag team matches for one show. Yes, we did. How many, there were two. Was there? Yes, two? there were two matches. There was the first one, which off the top of my head I can't remember. Oh, it was the Ascension versus uh, Rhino and Baron Corbin. Another guy that people think are going to be Roman Reigns and Dean Ambrose's tag team partner, by the way. People think it's going to be Baron Corbin. I sure hope not, because he's tall. I'd be okay with Rhino. They brought Rhino out? Yeah. No, they're never but gonna do that. it'll be Ryback. I know it's going to be Ryback now, and I'm, I know, like, I can write it in my head. And then Owens comes out, and then they get distracted, and the Wyatts pick up the win, and ugh, I hate. There really wasn't another tag team match. So, I mean, there was at the end of the show. But there wasn't. To the one best of my knowledge, there wasn't. I can look it up for you if you want. We we saw eh, Rhino whatever. and Corbin take on the Ascension, who lost, which because that's the Ascension, and that's what they do. Um and yeah, they're hopeless now. I and then so. we they well again. I think I'm going to give them a bit of time with Stardust. I will give them the chance to prove me wrong, but because I've been against them for a while, we were introduced to a team. We were introduced to a new team. Talking to William Regal, uh, Tommaso Ciampa, which whose name was butchered by Mister Regal. Unfortunately, but that's okay. Tommaso Ciampa and Johnny Gargano. Uh, 
who I believe in two or three weeks will be Tom Champion and Johnny Oregano. That'll be the new team. Um, <laughs> thank you. I tweeted that a bunch of times, and nobody seemed to find it funny, but it was hilarious. So... I was really oh, well, left, you know, to be honest. I, I appreciate that. So they're going to take on Tyler Breeze and Bull Dempsey next week in the NXT Tag Team. I could just see that right now. Like, I know, I just could see that being a comedy gold. Like, they could just pretend like, like their tag team name could be a new cologne. You know what I mean? Like, Breeze de la Bull. Bull Breeze. Or something like that, you know, or... Absolutely, yeah. you know what uh, I'm saying? Like, bull breeze. I can see it. I can I, see. It. I think it's going to be great. Um, they, they're going to take on these two new guys, big indie stars, wrestling for PWG, which is a promotion that I've never watched, but pro wrestling gorilla. Um, so they're supposed to be good. So they've gorilla like the animal, gorilla, gorilla like, like the like warfare. Um, I, a pro wrestling gorilla like the animal would be. You'd watch that, wouldn't you? I think that happened. A wrestling gorilla? Yeah, but this is a whole promotion based around that. So, you know, all simians all the time. It's Monkey Tuesday. That's an inside joke to anyone who listens to Pendulette's podcast, so probably nobody that crosses the streams of wrestling and Pendulette's podcast. But there you go. So we didn't. We only saw... So Baron Corbin and Rhino beat the Ascension. Uh, We saw Alexa Bliss versus Blue Pants. What did he do? We were... Neither one of them are very good in the ring. Well, Blue Pants didn't even get a chance to do anything. This was a squash. And, you know, if if you believe the dirt sheets, which I don't, but the rumor on the dirt sheets is that Blue Pants, whom did you get to see? Did you see the thing I sent you? You probably didn't even notice it. Um, She had some she has some YouTube show with some friend of hers and she gave them a tour of her apartment. And it looks very much like what your video looks like right now. Like there was some, I saw some Ash from the Evil Dead things. There were Doctor Who things. There was horror movie stuff. You know, I think you would be a bigger fan of Blue Pants if you saw that you the two of you would have a lot in common. Um, but apparently there's a lot of heat on her backstage because people believe she's not worthy of all of the attention that she's getting. You know? I mean, she's probably not... But that's only because she's a creation of the crowd. Yes. I mean, what was it? Enzo, Enzo said called her old blue pants crowd. and it stuck. And she's a cult favorite. So I. Right. That's exactly what it is. It's a cult sort of but um, par- development. It's not something that you could have predicted or anybody yes. deserves. But if you were happens. to believe the dirt sheets, and again, I don't always, but if you were to believe okay. them, she got beaten so badly because, you know, there are, there are some. The there are some, there are some right. angry people, wrestlers, not just, not like the creative talent. They went with it, obviously. But there were some angry wrestlers that she's getting this attention and nobody else did. All of these women who have been training hard in the Performance Center for weeks, they didn't get to manage the yeah. tag team champions. So Training real hard like Eva Marie, We right? can talk about Eva Marie if you would like to. She won. That was another match that happened. Not by my count. By my count, she lost that match. Uh, well, it says here, excuse me, I'm on WWE.com. Uh, she wrestled Billy Kay. Kay looked mm-hmm. to have the upset win wrapped up after a suplex, but the referee ruled that Eva Marie's shoulder came up at the very last second. So she... No, if you watch the footage, uh, he refuses 
to hit the gnat with his hand. He hovers there before the because he wanted to away. make sure that her shoulder was up. He wasn't quite sure. He needed to take a minute. The referees are in development too. Let's not blame poor Eva Marie for the fact that the referee didn't All see I'm it. All I'm going to say is, if a talent, especially one who's training, makes a mistake like that, you need to just go with it. You really do. Uh, you did her a disservice, because you heard the crowd turn on her immensely when that happened, and they didn't call the match. Um, admittedly, it, it, it's... <laughs> I saw that tweet. Um, admittedly, it's... Sorry, I caused you to lose your train of thought. Yeah, I don't know, but like I said, I think that when something like that happens, you have to go with it. You can fix the creative in a follow-up, but you're doing more damage to her with the crowd. This are people who didn't want to accept her, and having a move like that, it's just going to make it that much more difficult for her to ever get over with those people. Um, you should have just called it and pretended like that was what was supposed that, to happen. That the jobber got the win? They should have just counted the win? A lot of people said that. A yes. lot of they can a lot of people said week. that, and not necessarily, you know, you're giving them the benefit of the doubt and telling them to roll with it. You know, they're trying it, like, punishing her for making it. And, and again, it is inexcusable that she didn't kick out. I, I, I'm, I disagree. I don't think it's inexcusable. I think it can happen to anybody at any time. I know it's a sort of basic thing that the fans want to get up on her about. And I'm not really defending Eva Marie, because I don't think she's very good at all. But the bottom line is... That could happen to anybody. You get hit in the head a little hard. You get dazed. You might not be able to have the sense of presence to know exactly where you are to kick out on that three count. That could happen to anyone at any time. But you should just roll with so, it, I think. So you're, not, you're, you're saying that for a... Well, and it was a taping. That's the part that bothers me. On SmackDown, I'll read SmackDown spoilers, and they'll come back out and completely reshoot a segment that didn't work. If there's a mistake, if there's a miscue, they go back and they fix it. Why is that not the case for NXT? Why didn't they do the match? Maybe you're right. They count it, have Billy Kay win. They come back out for the next hour. They do that match again, same outfits, and this time Eva Marie wins. And then you just splice them together, and it's like it never happened. That's a very... Uh I didn't think of that until just now, but that's a very good point. That's what I think they should do because, again, all they did was hurt even Marie's character. And, well, and maybe the conspiracy theorist in us could say, maybe they're doing that intentionally. They really do need to just embrace it. And I feel the same way about Roman Reigns. They need to embrace the hate. You know, I, I don't know. I couldn't. I didn't watch enough to know whether or not Eva Marie is being presenting herself as a good guy or a bad guy. Or a good woman or a bad woman. But they need to just... The fans are going to boo her no matter what she does. The fans are going to boo... I will just say, a woman coming out there in her second match, failing to kick out, and getting, you know, someone who's clearly very much still in training, to finish her match against a jobber, and then start motioning to her waist like she's going to be the next champion, that does not connect with me on any level. She's going to be NXT women's champion by this time next year. I won't say the end wrong. of the year. I won't say the end of the calendar year because that's a little too soon. That, but you, the, the end, end of, of 2015. I will make a prediction, and I'm going to move us along here. That Jason Jordan and Chad Gable. Now, you, I don't think you saw all of this match. Jason Jordan and Chad yeah. Gable will be NXT Tag Team Champions by the end of 2015. That is my prediction. They defeated Neville and Solomon Crow, that black hole of charisma. I don't know if you have a strong opinion on Solomon Crow, but I 
I think he's okay. I I don't understand. The little calling yourself a little monster is the dumbest thing I've ever heard in my life. That's uh-huh. a movie with yep, Fred Savage and Howie Mandel. I love it's that a movie. Good movie. But that movie's calling a good yourself movie. we've now what did we do? We did Angels in the Outfield and Little Monsters today. It's been a good day here on the Neighborhood Podcast. But I I don't understand. I would have been happier had Solomon Crow attacked Neville and turned heel at the end of that. It didn't happen. Sure. It just ended. The show just randomly ended really fast. That was weird. But Jordan and Gable are phenomenal. And it's they no, are. They're so good. They're, they're excellent in the ring. Have you heard them talking? Did you hear them talking right before that yes. match backstage? And it was no, it was. They great. were terrible. They were stumbling through that as bad. They're as supposed to be good. the Gable was looking like up into the rafters trying to remember they were, his lines. No, I didn't like, see any of that. I yeah, watch it again. It's not good. They're green. Well, it's and of course they're green. It's developmental. They're yes, they're green. But don't change the, your story. Don't tell me that they're fantastic and now you say, well, of course they're green. I'm not Let's saying they're the Stick second coming of Kurt Angle and Steve Austin with their, you know, back and forth stuff. But but you know what? They might be the second coming of Shelby. Well, and, of, and, and, and obviously just sheer look-wise, they are, you know. Yes, they're talented in the same sort They've of got the, athletic ways. I'm not going to disagree with you there. And they're about as talented in terms of the charisma, the charisma that they're exuding at this point. I'm not saying that they can't get there. Maybe they can. I think the Gable thing is actually kind of clever on the towel. Um, but it's gonna they they got they got to work. Well, out just and a, yes, just, but just I bit. think the fact that they are an unlikely pairing because Jason Jordan spent weeks trying to find a tag team partner. Chad Gable saying, "Pick me, pick me, pick me, pick me." The fact that they're this awkward odd couple actually helps with the fact that they're yeah. not necessarily the you know they're not yet great on the mic. But I like and just think. And as soon as they get moved up to the raw roster, you'll have none of this context, and they'll just look like a couple of goofs who were put together. And the audience will completely well, reject Well, if them. they had a guy like Kurt Angle with amateur background, they could come up, you know, these guys, again, with going back to the Ascension, we're spending way too much time talking about the Ascension on this podcast. But the Ascension works now for me because you're not expecting them to be great. Guys from NXT, unless you have the talent of Kevin Owens, should not come up and be immediately thrust into the limelight. You need to take a while. You need a mentor, if you will, to kind of guide you through. The Ascension with Stardust fits that. If you had an amateur wrestler, you know, if Kurt Angle made his return to WWE, which would be amazing and it will never happen and I'm so mad about it, you bring up Jordan and Gable as the world's greatest tag team 2.0. And they actually get to, you know, do something there. I don't know that they're either going to be world champions, but as a tag team, I enjoy them, and they're great in the ring, which, as we've talked about many times, as the wrestling purist, that's what matters to me. But that's the one thing that actually doesn't matter at all in terms of success in the WWE. So will yes, you, go on. So, not necessarily NXT-wise. We're... Worldwide, in 10 years, when we're sitting and doing the Neighborhood Podcast in 2025, mm-hmm. like how I just threw that in there, when we're doing this podcast uh-huh. in 2025, who has the better career, Jordan and Gable or Enzo and Cass? Enzo and Cass. You're probably right, and it makes me want to throw up. 
The other guys are super talented, but Enzo and Cass, I think, just hits with the audience. I I don't know if they're going to be able to hit with the mainstream audience because they're going to move up without the context. But I do think there's enough, you know, around them, the theatrics of their entrance that people are going to catch on to. I don't know that they're not just going to be a flash in a pan and simmer out after a few years. But I do think they're going to hit higher highs. Well, and, and it is. Guys. The comparables are you've got the New Age Outlaws and you've got Benjamin and Charlie Haas. And that's that's kind of where we're at. <clears throat> and that's, cool. that's kind of what I'm sort of basing it on. Don't get me wrong. They're going to be superstars to the internet wrestling community or just, you know, the wrestling purist fans. They're going to be superstars. I don't know if they're actually going to you know, have those accolades, those accomplishments. They'll be tag team champions a bunch of times. They'll probably have some, you know, singles careers to talk about to some extent, but mm, I don't know. But I am getting ahead of myself. These guys are new. They're green. They could develop into Mm -hmm. something more than they are now. That's just based off of what I've seen. And we'll have to see. And I want to talk about Ring of Honor at some point. Yeah. Those guys have potential. That's just I just want to say those guys do. Have Jordan and Gable, potential. you're talking about, right? Yeah, not a, not Enzo and Cass. They nah, Enzo and Cass are pretty potential. terrible. Although I think I think Enzo and Cass have sort of hit the peak of their potential. Um, but I think if that gets applied to the mainstream audience, all right, you heard it here first. Successful. Doc says they all have potential. Jordan and Gable have potential. Enzo and Cass have potential. Team Bamf has potential. The hype bros have potential. You said they all have potential. I'm applying that to the all. I think the hype bros probably do have some potential. Why do we always end these podcasts on a negative note? Why? Why? Why Why don't you like Mojo Rawley? I'm not even... We don't have time. I know there is no time crunch. We could talk for as long as we wanted to, but we don't have the time to talk about why I don't like Mojo Rawley. Um, I want to... Put, I want to remember what something that you said when you were talking about the, the transition. I think a discussion for another podcast should, and now that we have microphones in separate places, we can podcast slightly more frequently, which I would be excited about. And I think, I hope, the neighborhood would as well. But transitioning from NXT to WWE, obviously, historically speaking, has been a problem. I think we should talk about that at a later date and how they can improve that. Um, we're not going to talk about Ring of Honor because neither of have, have watched it. Doc hasn't had the time. I haven't had the ability. I will rant about that if it's not fixed probably next week. Uh, next week will be leading up to Night of Champions. I still think there's two weeks to go. So we'll have another week in the NXT Tag Team Classic. Um, we do have this ability. I, I would. I think... And I'd like to do it on the air. I think we should do a state of the neighborhood, meaning the podcast, not all of us. But, um, you know, Doc Manson's here. He's got a microphone now. He's not going away. I think he and I need to discuss what we want this podcast to be, whether or not we should start watching the Attitude Era and discussing that. Or maybe that should be a separate podcast with all that free time we have, considering tomorrow I'm going to spend my time aligning curriculums. That's how I'm going to spend my day. Um, So... There's a lot I want to talk about on a later show. Anything you need to say now that you can't that won't wait another week. Anything you want to say now? Nope. Well, all right then. He knows how to end a show, folks. He's got it. He's got the gift. So, 
That's Doc Manson. You can find him on Twitter at Doc Manson. We did not reach our goal, and I'm bitter about that. But um, oh, he's down to sixty. You lost a follower at some point in the last. I. I told you, man. My opinions about. I don't John think Cena that's it. Homework popular. assignment. Don't follow. You can follow Doc Manson at Doc Manson if you haven't yet. The homework assignment is to remind him that in order to gain followers, he actually has to tweet something. So we don't need him to live tweet raw or anything because he is a busy guy. He's got a big, busy job. But once or twice a day, he could share something. You know that that John Cena cat thing was funny. He could have he could have gotten a whole lot. I was afraid of getting full. Well, but you so got a lot of followers during that too. So you know, as you said, controversy yeah, creates. True cash he is doc manson at doc manson i am dc matthews you can find me on twitter at dc matthews nai you can also find me at newageinsiders.com you can find news of the day from brandon columns from shannon at rebel dentist nai magnum at magnum nai the queen heel herself you can post on fan friday doc will eventually post on fan friday listen to nai pod although if you're listening to this you're listening to nai pod each and every wednesday for Doc Manson. Stop shaking your head. I'm doing the patter. I'm not doing video with you anymore. You said it was gonna we were gonna be sending signals back and forth to each other. All we've been doing is making faces. Yeah, shoot your bang bang guns at you know, throw something at the screen. Alright, he's Doc Manson. I'm DC Matthews. We'll see you around the neighborhood. Bye everybody! <laughs>